from both of those coaches, uh, what they told me a number of times was Kev would always pump them for information on what I did. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode 17 of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that semi-pro cyclists stop at pre-qualified cafes only. If you stick around to the end, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who's claiming props for Cavs Sprint Style. The podcast, it is on iTunes, and you can subscribe by going to semiproCycling.com and clicking on subscribe in the menu. Also, if you do like the show, please leave a review. It would mean the world to me. Thank you very much. Now, the news. Well, UCI made USADA's ruling official yesterday and I really have to say that I've run out of things to say. I think it's good for the sport. I think that they've done the right thing. I still think UCI and Pat and Hein have questions to answer. Hopefully something will happen there. It doesn't seem likely. It seems like they're trying to hold on to what they got at the moment. So we'll have to see where that goes. But as far as the LA matter, I want to leave the final word on it to the man himself. I have never doped. The drug testing results, the investigations, the inquiries, the court cases, haven't lost one of them. We have nothing to hide. I know what I know, and I know what I do, and I know what I did. Drugs. Okay, the nuts and bolts. And the nuts and bolts today, it's really what every rider should know about measuring their ride data and basically, is it time to buy a power meter? You have to be a machine. <laughs> this, this, this computer needs to understand me. No, I need to understand him. This is more intelligent than, than me. Maybe, yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, maybe. Carlos, by watching this, I get a real sense that he was an old school type of dude. He wasn't keeping up with computers and monitoring and measuring. He was just going out based on feel and things that he's always done. It seemed to serve him well. But what I'm talking about now is the evolution of collecting data within the bike. And just like phones and bike computers themselves, they're increasingly getting smarter which not only means interpreting the data is more complex, but the way we collect it is becoming an entire industry in itself. So sifting through proprietary wireless sensor network technology, I know, and wireless radio technology, combining them with head units, cadence sensors, power meters. I hope you get the point here. The point is, I think it's pretty confusing and you've got to take a long time to get through the information so you can understand what's going on. Now, the last time I had a coach, I turned down the option of training with a power meter. I thought forking out 300 bucks for my Garmin Edge 305 was enough at the time. And while it was a massive leap forward, especially when it was combined with sport tracks, I was with that coach for two years. And at times, I thought about what if I'd gone the other way? So instead of just heart rate only, what if I'd gone heart rate and power and combined that into my training? Because I wouldn't say that my campaign was a disappointment, but I didn't achieve some of my main goals and look I understand that there's a lot of factors that going into achieving cycling goals but at times I really felt that I couldn't hit my magic number or my magic range in training you know the heart rate that I set with my coach that represented my target heart rate for racing 
I felt that a lot of my sessions were wasted because of it and something inside of me believes that following an absolute measure of output would be much easier target to gauge my progress on and to stick to while I was training. This does have a lot to do with my personality. And if you're anything like me, you spend your whole life trying to quantify the world around you. So power meters really, to me, seem like the best available way to do it in this context. And I approach my training quite systematically, and a power meter looks like the pinnacle of that approach. So now that I'm about to embark on a new cycling challenge, more to come on that one, and the prices are coming down, I'm considering buying a power meter and everything that goes along with it. Therefore, I'm revisiting the whole idea of power. This is my process of the why, how, and what of writing data with a heavy focus on power. At the end of the nuts and bolts, I'm going to give you four options I'm considering based on what you can buy today and what you can buy tomorrow, meaning probably around January. But we'll get to that later. Power is defined as the amount of work or energy released in a given time frame and is measured in watts. To give you some perspective, a professional cyclist can hold just over 400 watts for 30 minutes. That's a little more than one half horsepower for half an hour. Power output on a bike is equal to the torque or force you apply to the pedals times how fast you pedal. Power output is also a product of your ground velocity or speed and all the forces that resist forward motion. Those forces include things like aerodynamic resistance or the wind, gravitational resistance or the grade of a given hill, rolling resistance or the quality of and pressure in your tires, and finally, the resistance of moving parts like your chain or bearings. Practically speaking, the higher the power output, the faster you go. So that was Dr. A. Lim, Alan Lim. What's the best way to measure training ROI? Power is the most tangible form of measurement for cycling improvement. Hands down, that's what I believe. Now, input versus output is something that I've been struggling with regards to what training program I'm going to work with when I start training properly again. Two things are going on when you're riding a bicycle. You've got input, your effort. We can measure that with heart rate. And it's a pretty good measure of input. So we can know basically what your effort is like by watching what your heart is doing. But the other thing is the piece that's often has been missing for, for most athletes, which is why we're a little bit uh, kind of fuzzy on seeing the world of training, and that's output. With a heart rate monitor, you're not measuring output, you're measuring strictly input. With a power meter, you're measuring output, but you're not measuring input. So the beauty of this is when you put the two together, a heart rate monitor and a power meter together, you actually have a complete package. This is Joe Friel, author of The Cyclist Training Bible. I hope you're getting the picture of power as an absolute measure of output. As I mentioned in the intro, when I was training with a magic number or range of heart rate numbers in mind, I was trying to hit it in intervals and some days I just couldn't hit it. Or it took time to get there or I couldn't stay in the range for the prescribed amount of time, which really means that my training on the day was a waste of time to me. There have always been some troubles some problems associated with using a heart rate monitor strictly um, as a way of gauging what the workout is like or what the, how you're doing in the race. And that challenge has been heart rate response time. Everybody knows that when you're doing intervals, for example, the first few seconds or perhaps even the first few minutes of an interval, your heart rate doesn't go immediately to your target heart rate, it rises slowly. Power meters don't work that way. Power meters within a matter of three or four strokes 
you know if you're there or not. How is power measured on a bike? Each power meter has a different way to measure forces and because of patents, each has chosen to measure them in a different location. Most power meters measure the forces somewhere along the drivetrain. So working from the back to the front, the power tap measures at the rear hub. The crank SRAM, SRM, stage one and power to max measure either at the left crank or the right crank or the spider in the right crank. And the new Look Polar and Garmin Vector, unreleased, measure at the pedal spindle. And the announced but unreleased Brim Brothers measures at the shoe cleat. The iBike, another one, measures in a completely different way, but I'm not even going to get into that because I don't think it's a real contender. Something of note here is that one consequence of measuring at various points along the drivetrain is that the drivetrain losses will or won't be accounted for to some degree. For example... A power tap will usually read lower than an SRM since one is upstream of most drivetrain losses while the other is downstream. This difference is more of a definitional issue though than a strict accuracy issue in the sense of is gross income or net income a more accurate measure of income? Unless you have a specific use in mind, it's hard to say which is more accurate. So the power tap, the crank, the power to max, the stage one and SRM use strain gauges which are small thin foil strips whose electrical conductance and resistance varies as they are deformed. Strain gauges are used in lots of applications like bridges where their properties are well understood and in general strain gauges are combined in a rosette or a wheatstone bridge in order to produce more accuracy and precision. More strain gauges usually produce better results and when operating properly the power tap, crank and SRM are usually accurate within a couple of percent, and just importantly, with high precision. This has been verified both statically using known weights hung from the crank and also dynamically using a large powered rolling drum in a lab. The forces are combined with the measurement of angular velocity or speed to get power. A virtue of strain gauges, virtue of strain gauges is that the change in resistance can be measured even when the power device is stationary. So the cyclist can measure the accuracy of the strain gauge power meter at home by hanging weights of a known mass from the crank. A common problem with the strain gauge approach, however, is that they can become sensitive to changes in temperature and so need to be re-zeroed prior to and sometimes during rides. The new power to max and the old SRM amateur models use fewer strain gauges than the current power tap, crank SRAM, and SRM models. The unreleased Garmin Vector and Brim Brothers pedal or pedal cleat power meters are rumored to use piezoelectric sensors and solid state accelerometers rather than foil strain gauges. But until they reach a market, all claims about accuracy or precision should be taken with grains of salt. The Look Polar Power Meter, the one that was released in January of this year, uses strain gauges arranged along a pedal spindle, and each pedal must be carefully installed so the pedals know which direction the forces are being applied. A special tool is supplied with the pedals to keep the orientation. To simplify the conversion of measured forces to torque values, the Look Polar pedal allows the use of four different crank lengths. 170 up to 177.5. Cranks shorter than 170 are currently not supported. And one pedal is the master and the other is the slave. And the slave pedal transmits information to the master, which then bundles data from both pedals and forwards it to the head unit. At the moment, the Look Polar pedal uses its own transmission protocol and no other manufacturer is signed on to provide compatible head units. Early reports on the new Look pedals confirm that the orientation of the pedals is critical. And because the spindle of a pedal is 
small, the small absolute error in alignment can be large relative error in its angular orientation. So what does all that mean? In general, all the new commercially released power meters have been accurate and sometimes precise when newly adjusted and performing under ideal conditions. However, conditions are not always ideal and parts get damaged, dirty and deteriorate. If accuracy and precision are important, then the design accuracy, whether based on strain gauges, optical sensors, magnetic sensors or wind speed sensors, is only half the battle. Equally important is the ability to verify a power meter at home so you can tell when they're off. Now I hope that gave you a bit of a clearer overview of the detail that goes into actually designing and having a power meter that can face the elements and continually measure the power. It doesn't really go into the best place to measure power though and honestly there is no best place to measure power. The best really comes down to being the best overall solution for you. So as long as they produce an accurate reading, which has been tested, then there are more important factors to consider when choosing a power meter. And these are most likely to do with the type of bike you own, or do you have race wheels, a second bike, etc. And of course, the cost. So why is getting power data so expensive? Of all the available data, speed, cadence, heart rate, GPS, power is the most expensive. And it's expensive because power meters, like we just heard, use highly sensitive strain gauges and require careful calibration. A lot of design has to go into working out how to overcome external factors like temperature changes, while at the same time producing a light and weatherproof system. Obviously, something Garmin haven't worked out yet. So what is the best power meter available today? SRM, hands down. It has the longest history of all power meters, so you know that they have their shit sorted. If I read gold standard one more time, though, anyway. So let's move past the best and into something that's going to be more affordable for the semi-pro. I only believe there are two options, and they happen to be the cheapest way to get power, and one of them is not even released yet. So it's a little bit like the Vector, but it's a little more promising. Fingers crossed for that one. And the best of the rest, Power Tap and Stage 1. Now, I'm sure you're familiar with PowerTap because it's been around a while. And I'm sure if you read any websites, you've seen Stage 1 because it's blowing up and mostly because it is going to be a game changer. At 699 to 899 US dollars, the cost is an appealing attribute. By adding a 300 buck head unit to the Stage 1, breaks the mythical, by a dollar, breaks the mythical thousand dollar price point a small strain gauge and accelerometer measure the direct force applied by being bonded onto a regular left crank arm and then sends information to the head unit the crank arm must be purchased with the unit already attached then all you need to do is attach the crank arm and calibrate it with your head unit and bam accuracy is said to be the same as the big players and it is light only adding 20 grams to your crank arm weight. The price is low, however, it's not quite as low as you think. The cheapest power taps aren't much higher. The difference, though, is that for riders that have multiple wheel sets, this allows them to choose whatever wheels they want without worrying about the hub that's in it. The big question, though, is does it work? The lack of any users and feedback from the community is the unknown factor here, and relying on the release date is also a gamble at this point. So new companies will have bugs to work out. That's guaranteed. And using the vector pedals as an example, Garmin is a smart and large company and they are still being delayed. It's something to think about considering or you could just buy a proven product today. The closest rival at 
the less expensive end of the market is Cyclops's Power Tap, which has been around for over 10 years and does have a solid reputation. Something to note here is that all models except for the G3 will be phased out over time. And this is important because there is a $350 difference between the Pro model and the G3 model at the time of recording this. Now, I spent a lot of time researching the next part. There is so much going on as far as transfer protocols and new devices coming out and new technologies challenging old technologies so that you change the entire way that you think about approaching this issue. So here I've come up with what I believe are the four ultimate bike data setups. Now, I've split them into a few different categories. Now, the categories fall under today, which means you could go right after this podcast and buy these products today and tomorrow, which means they're not released yet, but this means it is around January, so it's not too far away. The other thing that has sparked my interest is using a smartphone versus not using a smartphone in your training. Now, there are pros and cons, which I'll go into, but I thought it was an interesting distinction to make because of the possibilities that a smartphone starts to open up for everybody. So sports devices themselves have a long life cycle. I've still got a heart rate strap that I had five years ago. And so I thought it would be good to recycle some parts when upgrading or adding to your data capabilities. Personally, I'm going to transfer my Garmin Edge 305 kit into a new tech kit. I'm not going to use the head unit anymore. It's fading. The battery's dying. I don't know what's happened to it. Plus, I've moved on. Okay, so here's my breakdown and the options that I'm considering. They're for my situation, but you will be able to get a a clear sense of the, the cost of power meters and the different options. So the first one, today, non-smartphone. So if I was to go out right now and I didn't want a smartphone option, I would buy a Garmin 500. Hands down, it's just a proven computer. It's now down to 300 bucks, which is super reasonable in the world of computers considering what it does. I don't need any directions or anything like that, so there's no need for me to buy anything greater than the 500. The other parts that go along with this are the Garmin GSC 10, which is the speed and cadence monitor. I already own this, but it costs 35 bucks. The Garmin heart rate strap, 40 bucks. I already own this as well. Now, the power meter that you can go out and buy right now, you can buy for the road PowerTap G3 with a simple training wheel. It'll be fairly light, but it won't be carbon. $1,360 with an MTB 29er PowerTap with a simple rim again. Complete wheel, $1,250. I've got links to this in the show notes. So the totals here, total for the road, 1660. Total for the MTB, 1550. Okay, so the smartphone option for today. You probably already own a smartphone. I already own one. It's a bit of an old one. It's an iPhone 3GS. So it doesn't have Bluetooth Smart. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's it's gaining momentum. So I do think it will be important in the future. But so is getting a new phone, and that's going to be important to me in the new, near future. So the iPhone 3GS, which I already own, the Garmin Cadence and Speed Sensor again, the same, 35 bucks. The Garmin Heart Rate Strap we'll use in this situation, again, $40. A Wahoo iPhone Key, which means that I can take the Ant Plus transfer protocol and record the information straight to my phone. It's not going to a head unit, it's going straight to my phone. And the power meter link to this is the same as before. So the power tap, we know it's there. It's been around for a while. So you can definitely get it. The total for these, the total for the road is 1410. And the total for MTB is 1300. 
So there's a slight difference there. The main difference being I already have a phone that I can bring to the party. Now, moving on to number three, the Tomorrow Plus non-smartphone. So the big thing here is I've just added the Stage 1 power meter, essentially. Garmin 500, Garmin speed cadence sensor, Garmin heart rate strap, and the Stage 1. Now, it is unproven, and I, if I don't have a power tap by then, I don't think I will be buying it from day one. I'm a little skeptical about new technology. I am an early adopter of some things, but other things to me have to be proven. My first iPhone was iPhone 3GS. That kind of says where I'm at. But I'm very, very interested, like the rest of the cycling world, to see how it does perform in the real world. So the total for that one, 1100 bucks. Now, 1100 bucks for a complete kit there gets you out the door. That is solid. Like That is cheap. That is very cheap compared to when I was looking before. And fourth and final, tomorrow, smartphone. To me, it's the ultimate future. An iPhone 4S at minimum, so 650 bucks you're talking at right now. A Blue SC, which stands for Speed Cadence, which is Wahoo's Bluetooth Smart Sensor. Four Eyes, Viva Bluetooth Smart and Ant Plus Consolidator Heart Rate Strap, 100 bucks. This thing is pretty cool in what it does. It consolidates all of the information that's coming off anything that's producing data on your bike. And whether it's Bluetooth or Ant Plus, because they're different protocols, it consolidates them and then spits that out into whatever head unit or phone that you're recording on. The Wahoo Reflect Ant Plus and Bluetooth Smart Head Unit. This thing is super sexy. It's not out yet. It's rumored to be out January sometime around $120 is going to be the cost of this. Essentially what it is, is a handlebar smart device that picks up any chosen metrics from your phone's app that's running. So all the data can go straight to your phone and then just get displayed on the handlebars. And you can actually, you can set whatever you want on the handlebars, including changing music tracks for your phone, and having watts and power or whatever. It's essentially like a Garmin, but it's pulling data from your phone. It's going to open up a hell of a lot of opportunities, and there's a hell of a lot of possibilities here. I don't want to get into it right now because it just blows my mind, and I'm super, super excited about it. I am going to have to do another show, a whole other show on this technology because it's going to revolutionize the way things are done. Then I would add the power meter, the stage one power meter, and 1729 bucks is the total for this one. Now, this is the ultimate kit in my mind, and this is what I would love to have for my training and for my riding. I'm saying that's the ultimate kit. That is still under the $2,000 price point of many of the crankbase systems, and $2,000 plus, plus when you're talking SRM or the Pioneer one. Now, that's pretty exciting to me. And in some ways, the value is there, but I still can't justify it. But I'll get to my conclusion in a moment. I do want to discuss quickly why you would use smartphone over non-smartphone. Really, when it comes down to it, it depends on your situation. So for me, I won't be racing anytime soon, but I'm going to be training for a sportif. So I want the flexibility and convenience that training with a smartphone will provide, especially because I do listen to music while I'm riding, where if you're a hardcore racer, then a phone probably just won't cut it. 
you know, especially if you're racing something like cross-country mountain biking, where it's just going to be a burden and you're going to be worried about breaking it, it's going to be damaged. You know, you don't normally take your phone when you race a cross-country mountain bike race. So that's really the factor it comes down to. I'm not going to be racing anytime soon and I want to sort of explore this other area that technology is kind of teasing me to check out because I am a bit of a gear junkie in that sense. So what's my conclusion? Well, it's clear that the prices have come down a hell of a lot and flexibility the iPhone apps has increased, but to me, the cost still is really high. I just sold a bike for 1500 bucks. That's an entire bike. Now, turning around and spending this on a power meter still sounds crazy to me. It's interesting to me that the introduction of the stage one power meter, the difference is still only 300 bucks from today versus buying that power meter. And this doesn't even take into account the gamble that I mentioned earlier about buying a product that is unproven in real life yet. I'm actually still unconvinced. Sure, the price is half of what it was last time I looked, which was around 2008. But for now, I'm going to hold off until I work out the bike I'm going to buy, then figure out my budget. Sorry, that is not much of an answer, but that's my conclusion for now. And I hope you get something from looking into this in a little bit more depth. Okay, then let's get to the tech hacks and products section. And today I want to talk about another type of power. It's not too wanky, it's willpower. Getting out and doing the work takes self-control and focus, as does doing great work. And I think it's important part of the brain to conquer in setting up and achieving goals. I'm getting ready to gear up. So I went hunting for some literature to keep me on task and I found these two great books. I don't want to come across as all preachy about this stuff. So I've just got the titles and descriptions on the post page of this show and you can check them out if you want to. If it really floats your boat, I think you are going to find it interesting. The two books are Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength by Roy F. Baumeister and John Tierney. It shares lessons on how to focus our strength and resist temptation and redirect our lives. Definitely saying that willpower is something that you can train and learn rather than something you're just born with. And the other one is The Power of Habit. It's quite simple in its idea, but the execution is very powerful. So The Power of the Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Life and Business by Charles Doug. Doug? Doug? Sorry, Charles. So if you are interested, go to the page and check them out. Now, that quote, that quote from the top of the show, it's Robbie McEwen. He must be a favorite of the semi-pro cyclist. He was at his final pro race at a press conference at the Tour of Cali this year, taking props for Big Cab style. Love your work, Rocket. And that's it. So till next week, get on your bike and enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 